WTMJ, so glad to have you with us. We do not go gently into the good weekend. We start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Matter of fact, one of the things that we're going to be talking about coming up, if you want to see the video, it is a cliche, but it is a viral video. You can text the word homeless, H-O-M-E-L-E-S-S, to 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It comes out of Myrtle Beach, and it's a story about a, a panhandler homeless guy who has been tossed out of a McDonald's on multiple occasions for being disruptive. What happens is there's another guy who sees this homeless man, brings him into the McDonald's, and buys him food and then sits him down, and the McDonald's says, sorry, you know, you're not allowed in here. Well, you can see what happens after that on the video. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit as part of our three big things. But if you want to see the video itself, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Text the word HOMELESS. Sometime between now and 3 o'clock, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to join me and Governor Walker and, uh, let's see, State Senate, U.S. Senate candidate Kevin Nicholson and uh, Sauk County Judge Michael Scranock and all sorts of other people at Insight 2018. It is March 28th at the Country Springs Hotel. Uh, Kathleen O'Leary, the director of the State Fair, she's going to be there. Um, a lot of it's a great guest. It's a great opportunity to see people in an intimate setting. That is March 28th. Tickets are available now at WTMJ.com. You can see Jeff Wagner's Insight 2018. All right. Let us get started. Yesterday afternoon, the stock market went into the tank. It uh, is not down as badly today, but it is still down. The result, what caused it? Well, an off-the-cuff remark made by President Trump. Now, during the campaign, he he talked about, we've got to create American jobs and things like that. And he talked about taking a very protectionist stance towards trade, including, you know, maybe imposing tariffs, that is, taxes on goods that are imported. But there was still some discussion as to where this was going to go. One of the problems President Trump has is that it appears that whoever is the last person he talks to, last person in the room, that ends up being the policy. So yesterday he had a meeting with representatives from America's steel industry. And after the meeting, As he's walking out, there's the gaggle of reporters, and somebody says, are there going to be tariffs? At which point in time, he says, yeah, we're going to impose a 25% tariff on steel and, what, a 10 or 15% tariff on on aluminum, 10% on aluminum imports. And then he just walks off. And this is, of course, the signal that he's looking to pick a trade war. The stock market tanks because of a couple concerns. First of all, if you start imposing these tariffs, number one, you are going to increase the costs of American goods. So, for example, for car manufacturers, there's about a ton of steel in a typical car. A ton of steel right now costs about 700 bucks. So you impose a, a 25% tariff, you have immediately increased the cost of a car $175, just in a blink. So you know you know those those that money you got back out of the tax reform well it's gone if you want to buy a car aluminum well as you heard during our news aluminum of course is used by you know people particularly like in the beverage industry you know soda you know beer makes it in cans 
there's only two American manufacturers of aluminum cans. So many, if not most, of the people that depend on that, they're forced to go overseas. Well, now automatically you've had a 10% increase. So just in those two areas alone, by putting on a tariff, what you have is you have an immediate cost of goods going up for American consumers. But here's the even bigger worry. The bigger worry is that you impose these tariffs and other companies, other countries respond. For example, our agriculture industry, well, it, it's, we, we export, you know, we are a net exporter of lots of stuff, you know, dairy products being one of them. All right, so now you impose these tariffs on certain countries. Well, what do you think? That they're just going to simply roll over and say that's fine? Well, what if they start imposing their own tariffs and as a result, sales drop? Now, President Trump, of course, hasn't announced any of the particulars of this. He just throws this out as, as a concept, and the stock market immediately tanks. He hasn't signed any orders to this effect yet, but he does appear to be doubling down because he sends out a tweet uh, late last night, early this morning, where he says, yeah, trade, trade wars are good, and, and trade wars are easy to win. Huh. Trade wars are easy to win. When a country, the USA, is losing many billions of dollars on trade with virtually every country it does business with, trade wars are good and easy to win. Example, when we are down $100 billion with a certain country and they get cute, don't trade anymore. We win big. It's easy. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand that during the campaign, this was something that the president talked about in an effort to appeal to, I don't know, some of the protectionist aspects and people in in this country. Uh, The steel, you're talking about, I think if you look at the steel and aluminum industry, you're talking about around 100,000 jobs, right? Um, For the protectionist aspect for the steel and the aluminum industry, you are potentially putting many more jobs at risk if other company countries retaliate. So let's tee this up, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The last thing I think the United States wants to do at this point in time, especially when you have a robust economy, is to start worrying about creating trade wars. And to say that a trade war is going to be good and easy to win I think is flat out delusional. 414-799-1620. And like I say, if this really becomes policy, those tax cuts that, you know, everybody was getting the fact that, hey, now you have a few hundred dollars more of disposable income to spend. Well, they're gone. They're gone in the wink of an eye. So this is a good idea. 414-799-1620. Or is the president on very, very dangerous ground? Look, I... I understand there's some people who think the president can do no right, and there's some that think he can do no wrong. I think this is a huge, huge mistake, and I think he needs to figure out a way to kind of backtrack, just like he appears to be backtracking on you know what he said about gun control. 414-799-1620. Do we really want to get into a trade war? We discuss next. It's 1216. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm sorry, this idea of engaging in a trade war over steel and aluminum is just, in my opinion, crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Part of the problem in this world right now is there is an excess of steel. 
And I understand that the president likes to talk about, you know, trade disparities with China and things like that. But when it comes to steel, um, we we get only like 3% of our steel from China. You know, Rue, you know where we get most of our steel from? We get most of our steel, the imported steel, it comes from Canada. So are we going to get in a trade war uh, again with Canada? And what about the companies that are both that operate both in US, the U.S. and Canada producing steel? There's two of those out there as well. Are we going to impose tariffs on them? Let's start with Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Yeah, Hi, the, Tom. The question that I got regarding this is where you, where you say, and I've heard, that Canada is an equal trade partner with us. Right. And that China is not. So why, I don't know, why can't you, I don't want to punish American companies, but why not find them? that get their steel from China until China decides to become an equal playing partner. That way you don't put the tariffs on the company that there are countries that are even with us, right. but you put some pressure on China. Right. Now, of course, and, and again, keep in mind, China is only, a, a, again, it's just a tiny importer. I mean, why would you, you know, right, right, exactly. I mean, if, if the idea is to go after, okay, China, well, then I, I guess you could put – there's all sorts of things you could do, like putting import limits on or things like that without going this tariff route. But I guess the problem then, Tom, is, all right, let's say that we decide to punish China because they've got excess capacity and they produced all this excess steel and they're driving down the prices. All right, what what happens if then China says, all right, well, we, we don't want to start importing dairy products or these other things that we import? and. You know, so then what does that do to Wisconsin's dairy industry if they can't export stuff? It's it's really complicated. And I guess I just don't think trade wars are easily easily winnable from the perspective of the United States. Okay. Yeah. Now, thanks for the call. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I just I, I mean, right. It's and see, in part the, the big problem with steel, the way I understand it is that China has excess capacity. So China has overproduced in steel. So there's kind of like a glut of steel on the worldwide market, which is what's driving down costs all, all over. At the same time, I mean, I don't, I don't know is, and I, I make this argument all the time. I was talking about yesterday, you know, the fact that you've got gas stations that, you know, it's around here who are getting criticized for, you know, selling 10 cents below everybody else. Is it really that bad a thing? I mean, again, you do this, you put a 25% tariff on imported steel for a car, and you're automatically talking about increasing that cost of that car somewhere between 175 and $200. Okay, can I see a show of hands? Is there anybody who automatically thinks that they want to spend an extra 175 to $200 for a car simply because of this particular policy? 414-799-1620. Tony in West Dallas. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Yeah, my idea on this topic is that uh, America used to be one of the best, biggest industrial states. We used to create our own goods, and it's about time we put cities back on a map like Pittsburgh. You could create hundreds of thousands of jobs, create these places, and make our own stuff. I don't agree with the fact that you don't have to worry about it. There's so much money to be made and jobs to be had. Why not try it? So what you're saying is you, 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 favor, you favor cutting off imports because it'll create American jobs. That's what you're saying? I think you'd have to do it slowly. It takes time to build these plants to make the steel and the aluminum, but let's get going. Okay. What what happens then? Let's say 
let's take China for example. And again, when we talk steel and aluminum, China's a bad example because they don't they they don't import they don't export very much steel to us. But all right, so what happens then? You say, all right, we're we're going to make it difficult or impossible for companies in the United States to bring in steel. It's just not going to be cost efficient. So what happens when those other countries say, okay, America, you want to do that? Tell you what. We're going to increase the costs of by putting on tariffs on again stuff that we're buying from you. What does that do to the farm, the agriculture industry? I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe you get some more steel jobs, but what happens if you lose all the farming jobs? This is this would be a a decade long process. You don't put tariffs on and overdo it with that his 25 percent is ridiculous right okay thanks again and i I, look i i I mean i i understand that it's in everybody's interest to try to get a balance of trade and i guess that that's my my whole point and i if you want to take a a step back and say all right you know we've got inequities that are here and we've got some people there's trading partners and um those, those trading partners it's an un, it's not a level playing field in certain industries. Oh, okay, that that's fine. I don't mind taking a look at that. But I I do agree with you, Tony, that even if we want to try to revitalize the American steel industry, um, the idea of saying we're going to suddenly slap twenty five percent tariffs on countries and again, are we going to go to are we going to get into a trade war with Canada? You know, because Canada buys a lot of stuff. That we end up exporting. I mean, it, you know, Canada is an ally of ours. You know, what are we going to do to the other side of the equations? It might sound great to say, yeah, let's let's bolster the aluminum industry and let's make it more expensive to bring in aluminum. Well, as you heard during our top of hour newscast, there's only two companies in the country right now that make aluminum that provide like the aluminum cans. So, um, if if all of a sudden now you, you've got to go to those two companies. The cost of all that stuff is is going to go, you know, up. I guess. I, look, I'm I get the whole buy American thing. I I do, and I think that's why. Um, whenever you know, all things being equal, I think the companies that you know advertise, hey, we're buying American. You know that that that's a great type of thing. But these artificial policies. These artificial policies that, candidly, I don't think are very well thought out at all, because here would be my question to President Trump. All right, let's look at the aluminum and the steel industry. Right now, U.S. Steel employs roughly 30,000 people. All right, so, yeah, all right, we're going to help this company, and maybe they'll increase from 30,000 to 40,000 people. Well, all right, once the other countries retaliate, as they obviously will, where is that going to leave us? And by the way, like I say, that tax cut that we were all so happy about, that several hundred dollar tax cut, well, all right, if this really does go into effect, it's probably gone. It's just gone because your cost of goods has gone up for what reason? I think President Trump is dead wrong on this, and I think you have to be careful when you start throwing around, around terms like, oh, what's wrong with a trade war? And trade wars are easy to win. Um, historically, when we have used tariffs in both Democrat and Republican administrations, it has not worked out well for the economy. And I guess, um, you know, maybe people forget that, but they shouldn't. All right. When we come back, big story number two, a police officer chases someone. That person ends up dead. 
We're going to talk about it. Stick around. It's 227. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1234. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Seeing potholes on Milwaukee streets. Now you can help get them filled. Text the word pothole to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, and you'll receive a link that you can use to file a report with the city. Okay? <laughs> Don't even know what to say about that one, but there, there it is. All right, big story number two. This is, unfortunately, one of the lasting legacies of former police chief Ed Flynn and Tom Barrett. Um, back in 2010, Flynn and Barrett came up with this idea that we we have too many police chases that have resulted in bad things happening. So what we're going to do is we're just going to develop a policy where nobody, nobody gets chased, or essentially almost nobody. The policy was so restrictive that unless you were essentially investigating a fleeing bank robber or something, you had to let him go. Well, that, that might have been fine, but what happened is the bad guys all around here got the message that if you run from the cops, you will not be chased. So what happened? They they all ran from the cops knowing that they wouldn't be chased. That message then, you had a lot of people in Milwaukee, for example, who then when they broke out to the suburbs to start committing crimes, they um, they were in a situation where they they then thought, hey, we can chase, we can run from suburban police officers. Well, then they were surprised because the suburban officers would, in fact, you know, end up chasing. But you have a generation of criminals that have run up, have, have been raised around here with the notion that you can run and bad things will not happen. Well, that message, the message needs to go out that this stuff, you know, just cannot be allowed to continue. But in any event, here's what happens yesterday. Here's the story as reported on Channel 6. A 25-year-old West Allis man died in a crash late Thursday night while fleeing from Greenfield Police. The officer involved is on administrative duty pending the outcome of the investigation. According to the police, around 11.38 p.m., a Greenfield officer attempted to stop a vehicle traveling at a high rate of speed. All right, so you see this car driving like a bat out of you-know-where. The suspect vehicle fled. The officer then engaged in a chase and attempted to stop the vehicle using a pit maneuver. Okay, P-I-T, a pit maneuver means pursuit intervention technique. It's a pursuit tactic in which a pursuing car can force a fleeing car to abruptly turn sideways, causing the driver to lose control and stop. So um, what you do is you kind of, you, you sort of bang into the wheels is what you end up doing, you know, causing the, the car to, to swerve. That's the plan. About what happened is, so apparently the officer, 29 years old, five years of experience, uh, decided, attempted to stop this fleeing vehicle by using this particular maneuver. This happened kind of by you know, um, Southgate and Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center. That's the area where this was, but it's around midnight. What happened is, after the officer executed this maneuver, the driver of the car did in fact lose control and apparently, I think, slammed into a tree. Um, what happened is the driver of the car who was fleeing the officer lost his life. Unfortunate situation. He's dead as a result of fleeing from the police. No civilians injured. The police officer is not injured. But you have somebody dead 
because the officer decided, number one, to pursue, and number two, to use this maneuver to try to end the pursuit. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is unfortunate that the fleeing driver of this vehicle has lost his life. There's no question about it. But this all happened as a result of the decision the driver made to try to run from the cops. And as a result of that, um, the guy is now dead. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, additionally, if you're wondering, you know, why it was that the guy might have run, it turns out that the vehicle, um, was in fact, um, stolen. So, um, stolen vehicle, um, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's tee this up. Is this, is this evidence that the police should not chase cars, but instead should allow people to, again, get away? Because there's no question in this particular situation, as a result of the pursuit at high speed and the maneuver the police officer engaged in, it caused the driver of the fleeing car to lose control and die. All right. Are we sympathetic? Is this a justification for not chasing? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. While uh, Gru is lining up the calls, I don't mean to oversimplify this. I don't. But the bottom line of all this is... If you don't want bad things to happen, don't flee from the police in these situations. Don't run. This is the third high-speed chase that Greenfield Police in have been involved in over the last month. It is unfortunate that this ended in this way, but the person, at least in my opinion, who is to blame is not the cop, but it's the fleeing driver. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll get to you. It's 1240. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with, uh, let's see, let's start with Rick on the north side. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, I was just I'm in agreement with you that uh, that one the Milwaukee police should change their policy and that while it is unfortunate that the person lost their life, that is a consequence of the actions that he took. So, in my opinion, all fault lays on the person who was running. Well, yeah, and we don't know why he was running. Again, I, I said at the outset, I, I, I saw one initial report saying the car was stolen. I'm, I'm not positive that's the case, but regardless, we do know that the guy ran one way or the other. Um, and as a result, what's the police supposed to do? Just let the guy drive off at a high rate of speed? I mean, at some point in time, if you run from the police, don't you have to be, don't they have to make reasonable ap- efforts to try to apprehend you? Exactly, and then we're going to get back to the rolling drug uh, operation sure. that we had all over the house. Well, absolutely. No, th- thanks to call. I mean, again, this is, it is an unfortunate situation, but it is brought about by the fact that the guy fled. Uh, John, on the east side. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. John. Hello. Hi, John. Yes. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Sure. I, I don't know if you remember this, but about 20 years ago, about 10 or 15 blocks west of you on Capitol, um, uh, there was a kid driving, and the cops knew he didn't have a license. And that's all he did. And um, they chased him. He panicked. He wiped out, took out a bus stop with a woman and her three little children. They mm-hmm. all died. Um, 
So I kind of disagree with you. I mean, for something like that, uh, no, I think you should just let them go. I mean, the press are going to get that car, or a stolen car even. The press are going to get that car back for insurance. I mean, if you got a bank robber with a gun or a drive-by shooting, of course. But for something like that, you know, a kid driving without a license, they know they well, can't well, come in. Well, course, let me just back up. I mean, th- that was the policy they had in Milwaukee starting in 2010 for exactly the reason you're talking about, because they had a couple situations where you, you had innocent people who, who lost their lives. And the result of this was that thousands of people then started on a regular basis just fleeing from the police. They blow through red lights. They drive 80 or 90 miles an hour. And the police had to just simply let them go. Um, you think that's a superior policy? Just let them go? No. I think what you talk about every other day, if they know who they are or they can find them later or put up roadblocks, uh then they should get triple penalties for running. Um, well, I guess here's so the problem. But most times you don't. I mean, John, thanks. See, most times you don't even know who they are because most. Okay, I, I mean, we're, we're talking to generalities, but on many, many occasions, you're dealing with stolen cars. You you don't know who the the car. That that's the idea. You've got these cars that are involved in carjackings, or they're stolen cars, or whatever. You don't know even know who the drivers are. It's not even like. Oh, that's a license plate. That's Jeff Wagner's car. That's Jeff Wagner behind the wheel. You know, we know where he lives. We can go and we can find him, you know, the next day if he's fleeing. That That's not the modern situation. It's stolen cars. It's um, cars that aren't registered, at least not registered to the people that are driving them. And the problem is the vast majority of time, the police don't even know why somebody is running. I mean, you, you, you don't, and I understand, you've got that handful of situations where it's the, it's the armed robbery or whatever. Uh, I am not, by the way, encouraging irresponsible chases. Obviously, you've you got to use these things on a case-by-case basis, and you have to decide, all right, are we going to be driving down Wisconsin Avenue at 95 miles an hour at 3.30 in the afternoon? Okay, that might be a different decision than, okay, it's it's Greenfield or it's West Dallas and it's midnight. And in this particular case, um, you did not have civilians that were endangered. This this was a situation where it was the bad guy, the, the person fleeing from the police, that ended up in the unfortunate situation. And I guess I'm sorry. I mean, I think you don't want to chase in an irresponsible fashion. I, I get it. And I understand that every time you start a car chase, something bad could happen. But the truth is, I don't know why this guy was running from from the cops. Don't know why he was running from the cops. Or maybe that'll all come out. But regardless, he decided to run from the cops and thereby endangers people's lives and endangers their safety. Just look at what's been going on in Milwaukee over the last several years, where finally you had the Fire and Police Commission and the aldermen and the cops and everybody saying it is madness not to allow us to chase. Russell in Brookfield. Russell, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey, it's too bad that he died that showbiz. Huh. He, he decided to run, and uh, he, it could have been me. I'm sure he was going through red lights and everything else and could have killed more Kill other people, yeah. myself included. So the fact that he got that the cop did everything he could to stop him, and the guy crashed and burned and died—that's showbiz. Right. Well, right. I mean, thanks. I mean, look, I don't mean to be cavalier about this. Uh, you know, presumably the man that that died in this situation, you know, had family and friends who care about him. I don't mean to be cavalier about it, but this happened because of actions and conduct that the guy engaged in. And if the choice is to simply 
when a police officer tries to pull you over to let people drive off and then say, well, maybe we'll find them later on. Well, maybe you will, but, you know, maybe, again, you, you won't. We tried it for five, six, seven years in the city of Milwaukee, and it didn't work. It, it just it did not work. So we have to recognize, and I think the message has to go out, that it's it's just it's a different time right now. And if you run from the police, be prepared to have, well, bad things happen to you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to move on to big story number three. It is this viral video. If you want to see it, you can text me the word homeless to 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will share it with you. Otherwise, I will describe it in just a minute. My question is going to be, did the restaurant, in this case, it is a McDonald's, did the restaurant manager and the police officer who was involved in this, did they did they make a mistake? Stick around. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, here, here's what happened. Um, there's a McDonald's restaurant in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Resort town? Myrtle Beach is a lot of fun. And there is a homeless guy who has been hanging out in the parking lot of the McDonald's begging money from you know people who are going into the McDonald's. On various occasions, he has also gone into the restaurant and created disruptions to the point that he has been, what's the phrase they used to use, 86. He, he's been tossed out of the restaurant. They've told him, leave and, and don't come back. Stay out of the restaurant, all right? So they, they have told him that he has come back into the restaurant on previous occasions. They've said, your business is not welcome here. Please do not come in. So what happens is there's a, a guy who ends up making this video that you've just seen who sees the, the homeless guy, you know, who's begging for money in the immediate area of the McDonald's. He says, I tell you what, come with me. I'll bring you into the restaurant. I will buy you food. So the guy comes into the restaurant. The man buys food, gives it to him, and sits him down in the at the table. All right, um, a couple of the people who work at McDonald's recognize that the man as this guy that's been tossed out before, and they say, "I'm sorry, sir, that you're going to have to you're going to have to leave." At which point in time, the guy who bought him the food starts going nuts, starts screaming, "You guys all suck!" You know, he didn't ask for stuff. I bought him this food. And then you got the guy who's now taking the video, who's now filming this. The manager comes out and says, okay, first of all, sir, you got to quiet down. You can't be shouting. You can hear him say, this is just how I talk. I talk loudly. He said that we've, we've told this man, we have refused service to him. He's going to have to leave. Well, the guy, this altercation then, you know, enhances. So they call the cops. And the cops show up, and you can see the police on this video, and it's a female police officer who's probably thinking, gosh, I hope I didn't didn't want to get in the middle of this. But she's saying, okay, this is a business. She's talking to the homeless guy. You're going to have to leave. She's trying to calm down the guy who is screaming while he's taking the video. And now this has gone viral. The headlines on these stories is video shows homeless man kicked out of McDonald's after customer buys him food. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line all right maybe this means that i'm I'm actually not a heartless unreasonable guy but but here here's here's the deal i think businesses have the right to refuse service to as long as it is not for an illegal reason i think they have the right to refuse service 
to anyone that, that they want. Now, this situation, you clearly have a guy, a homeless guy, who has created problems in the past. This isn't like this is just somebody who walked in off the street. This is a guy who's been thrown out of this place, and they've told him, don't come back because he has created problems. So here you have somebody who's now bought the guy food. Now, I don't know if this was a setup of the McDonald's or not. I, I don't know. But the McDonald's folks said, hey, no, we, we said this guy was not welcome here. You bought him his food. What they did is they packed up his food and they sent it out. I don't think McDonald's is out of line in doing that. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I think if you are a business, you have a right to decide you know, who you are, in fact, going to serve and who you're going to allow into your place. And this idea that, well, all right, um, gee, isn't this, this is harsh. You know, McDonald's is not allowing this homeless guy to eat. Well, the, you know, the other part of the story is this homeless guy has been disruptive there in the past, causing them to ban him, you know, from the store. And given the fact that he's been banned from the store in based on what he's done in the past, I think it is more than reasonable for, you know, McDonald's to say, no, you're not going to be in here. Okay, here's my note. I agree with you, Jeff. Our text line, 414-799-1620. Any business has the right to refuse service to anyone at any time. Yeah, as long as it's not for an illegal reason. As long as they're not saying, we're refusing to serve you because of your race or your religion. But if you've had somebody that has come into that place in the past that has, in fact, been disruptive, yeah, the McDonald's has a right to say, you're not welcome here. And in this case, it doesn't matter that he was brought back by a paying customer. Um, and again, I don't know what the man's purpose was, whether it was to help him or whether it was to create this controversy with McDonald's. But I think McDonald's is well in the way to say, look, this guy is not welcome here. Sorry, pick up the food, you know, take it, take it and go. And to yell at the police officer, I mean, I think the police officer just doing their job because the business has the right to say, we're not going to allow you to trespass. McDonald's doesn't deserve a bad rap, at least not a bad rap on this one. Coming up next in just a couple minutes, gone in 30 seconds. If you don't think it could happen to you, you want to hear the next story. 1259 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. All right, this is another day in the mean streets of Milwaukee. Um, we, we've talked a lot about how you can't allow cars to essentially sit in your driveway anymore idling, or else they will be stolen. And I understand that, unfortunately, there's now been this cottage industry that's developed where, you know, in the winter, people just drive around and they are just looking for that unfortunate soul that leaves the car out there with the, the motor, you know, running. And, and boom, all of a sudden, it's, what's the phrase, gone in 60 seconds. Well, there's a story from the other day about a car gone in 30 seconds. Here's the deal, um, and this is the way Fox 6 reports it. A truck theft happened in the blink of an eye. A brazen daytime theft near 87th and Brentwood was caught on camera just before 7 a.m. Thursday, March 1st. The owner of the truck says, I was getting ready to go to work. 
getting my kids ready. The owner of a 2007 Toyota truck left it running and ducked back inside his home. All right, so the guy, this, and I, I'm watch, I'm looking at the video here because Fox 6 had this. He, he, so it's 7 o'clock in the morning. It's in his driveway. The car isn't out on the street, and it's at the edge of, of the driveway by the guy's house. He goes out. He starts the car. He says, I go back outside, and it wasn't more, to get the kids, it wasn't more than 30 seconds. The owner of the truck doesn't want to be identified, but you've got the video. So he leaves the car running. He said, okay, it takes me 30 seconds or so to go inside the house to pick up the kids. I come out, a black minivan speeds by. You can now see this. This is caught on this video camera that they have. The car reverses. They reverse back up to look at my truck. Um, and then what happens is out pops two young men, and you can see the you can see these guys on the video again. They they, they look to me to be anywhere between like fifteen and twenty years old. Two young men. Then one of the suspects opens the driver's side door, takes off in the truck, while the other suspect runs back to the minivan. This whole thing takes well. What, maybe 30 seconds or so, maybe 30 seconds or so, less than a minute for the guy to turn his back, walk in to get his kids, come back, and the car is gone. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Was it, was it irresponsible? Have we gotten to a point in this city where crime is so out of control that you cannot leave your car running unattended for even a matter of seconds without it being stolen. And, you know, the guy who, who this happened to, he's kind of like they're saying, I, I don't know. He's saying, I, I just, you know, it, I, I, I just, I had started the car. I was turning in to get the kids ready. Literally, I just went in and went out. The whole scenario, and you can see this play out on the video, it's not like the car is on the street. It's not even like the car is at the edge of his driveway. The car is up by his house, and it's gone. What this tells me is that you have a scenario where you have a rolling number of people that are just spending, I don't know, inordinate amounts of time driving around, driving around in the hope that they are going to find some vehicle which is unattended. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Let me be real clear here. I do not think this is the homeowner's fault at all. What I think has really happened is we have gotten to a point in this community where you have a climate that exists where people are out there stealing cars. And the answer isn't to say to homeowners, gee, you know, you, you you can't leave your car door open or you can't leave your car running. The answer instead is to say it is time to say enough is enough to this criminal element. And the idea that, again, it's 7 o'clock on a Wednesday morning when your car is parked at the end of your driveway by your house, you should be able to leave that. Now, maybe it's not the best idea. But are we going to put up with this? 414-799-1620, Mike and McGuanago. Mike, you're on WTMJ. 
Afternoon. Um, you know, I'm a law enforcement officer in Milwaukee County, and I think things are changing, obviously. In a city setting, I'd never recommend to leave your car running, which is sad. Basically, what these people are doing, these criminals, they're just trolling the area. They're in one or two stolen cars, trolling around, waiting for somebody to go back into the house or watch it for running cars. And one's jumping out of their car that's stolen, most likely, and hopping into another car. The only positive I see is that, you know, departments are learning now. We're changing our policies. Uh, we're, seems like we're going to start pursuing more of these stolen vehicles within reason. And hopefully we could bring a change to these stolen cars and these rolling drug houses and et cetera. Yeah, I, I mean, right, exactly. What, what struck me, I mean, thanks, Nicole. What struck me, again, is just, number one, how brazen these criminals are. And, again, these look like kids. They, I mean, the pictures, again, I... It could be 14-year-olds. It could be 20-year-olds. I doubt that they're any older than that. But they're just cruising around at 7 o'clock on a Thursday morning, you know, looking to find this. And I guess I wonder how many other cars like that, how many groups of the, these punks are out there looking to do this. And then how brazen it is. And, you know, are, are we going to put up with this? How did this get to this point? Let's talk to Scott on the south side. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good morning or good afternoon. Sorry. Hi, Scott. Uh, yeah, I was uh, just telling your your screener that uh, my car was stolen out of my driveway in Franklin. Um, six o'clock in the morning, I went out to my car to leave. I put my key in my cup holder. I was about to push the button, and I forgot my phone. And uh, I went back into the house to grab my phone. When I came back out, the car was gone. <laughs> so how and, long, how long, just, I'm just curious, how long, Scott, do you think it was that you were in your house? It was, I went in, I told my son to get ready and hurry up and get in the car. Uh, I looked for my phone. I picked up my phone. My son came back in and said, Dad, where's the car? And I said, what do you mean, where's the car? Get in the car. And he said, Dad, the car's gone. And I wa- so it was, maybe a mi- it was maybe a minute. Right, right. It's, it's not like it was five or ten minutes you're having breakfast or anything like that. It's just, and, yeah. And what was even more shocking is when I turned around, I heard some guys yelling at me. There was seven policemen in my backyard with dogs that had been apparently chasing this guy through Franklin. Huh. And they and they were nice enough to chase them into my backyard. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So anyway, but long story short is I I just don't think it's safe. I you know I I never used to be protective at gas stations or anything like that, but nowadays I am every hour of every day. It's crazy. Um. Yeah. No. Thanks. Well, you you have to be, and that's the. I mean, you know, you bring up the the whole idea of like the gas stations. How many of these different stories do we have about the people who are carjacked and things like that as they're sitting there pumping gas? Well, that's clearly a, a frustration. There's no question about it. But what makes this one so frustrating is, I mean, here here you've got a guy, and look, all right, you, you might say, well, you know, he shouldn't have dashed in to, he, you know, he shouldn't have dashed in. But uh, all right, he's talking about thirty seconds. The car is parked up by his side door. It's not exactly like, you know, and, and he's doing what I think a lot of people would do. Hey, okay, the car is ready. We're ready to go. I'm going to run in. I'm going to grab my kids. Okay. And then we're going to come back. Okay. That's what people do. That is normal behavior. But unfortunately, crime around here is so out of control that you can't engage in this normal behavior. Well, again, they've got the pictures of these guys. My guess is, and they look like kids. I, I, I would guess 14, 15, 16 years old. And I would guess that this is not their first time at the rodeo. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Vincent. No, you can't You can't leave your car running, not only for a couple of seconds. 
we have roving brand, bands of predators riding around this city, just looking for looking for individual victims that they can they can take advantage of. And and when how many times, like you said before, how many times have people talk about they just ran in to pay for their gas and come back out and their car is stolen? Right. You, you just can't do it anymore. You know, I, 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 you know, we're at the point where we don't even after dark. You can't even go to a gas station. This is this this is the problem here. You can't even go to a gas station in fear of somebody's going to come up and try to try to jack your car. Right. So yeah. So these are the these are the times. They're they're horrible. But the fact is, we have roving bands uh, of individuals out here. Just looking for people to take advantage of, and so no, no, you just can't do that anymore. It's and just like you can't leave, like you used to leave your back doors open. You can't leave your back doors open anymore. So now this is our reality. Yeah, it is. No, thanks for calling. I, I, Vincent, you're right. Th- this is the reality now that's out there. I guess the unfortunate thing, though, is how did it get that bad? And are we going to be willing to put up with this? Like I say, if if my Guess is right that these kids are juveniles, and that's what my guess would be. You know, when they get caught, if they get caught, you know, driving this stolen uh, car, you know, then right. I go, can I? I understand by now it's probably been sold or whatever. But you know, if they get caught, you know, will we do anything other than turn them around and send them back to you know mom and dad and tell them not to do it again? And my guess is probably not. All right, coming up next is a gorilla statue racially insensitive stick around it's 119 this is jeff wagner 122 jeff wagner wtmj if you follow me on twitter i actually sent out a tweet about this earlier today it's it it is either an example of how you should be righteously offended or political correctness run amok um there's a, a texas town small texas town called Corsicana, which is, I I think, kind of by Fort Worth, sort of in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And they've got a a public park. And in the park, they have a playground, you know, with kids' swings and things like that. Well, for 14 years, in the playground, they have had a gorilla statue. It's actually Dobie the Gorilla. You know, and kids have come in and they've, kids would, you know, play on it. It's just, it's, it's a gorilla statue in the public park. All right. And it's, and it's actually kind of like, well, it, it's not, the gorilla is kind of like hunching down. So it's, I mean, I don't know. It's a few feet high. All right. So what, what they had happening is they were concerned first that kids, now it's been there for years, but they first became concerned that kids were going to, a climb on the email. All right. So they climbed on the email and they climbed on the email. They climbed on the gorilla. So they, they said, all right, here, we don't want kids climbing on this little statue and turning it over and getting hurt. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a cage around. All right. But yeah, this is, so they put this cage around. All right. Well, what happens next is a number of people start protesting the presence of this gorilla statue. To the point that on Tuesday, the mayor of this community, Don Denbo, sends a letter saying, The city of Corsicana has recently made the decision to remove a display in Community Park. This is Dobie the Gorilla. It was determined to be potentially racially insensitive. This was brought to our attention by a few citizens. 
The circumstances were evaluated and determined to be valid. It was not possible to leave the gorilla without the cage due to safety reasons. The statue was top-heavy. It was caged initially to protect the children. The cage will be left and turned into a climbing feature. The city will look at replacing the display in the future. So you've got a gorilla statue that's in this cage, and people complain saying it is racially insensitive. You need to get rid of it. And the people, the mayor apparently looks at this and says, well, the circumstances were evaluated and determined to be valid. Did I mention it's a statue of a gorilla? Okay, so this happens. So by Tuesday night, they then take out the statue. All right, and and the community starts to mobilize, including putting up signs like, please bring me home, et cetera, et cetera. All right, um, after this happens... The public just, huge public uproar, and ultimately the city says, okay, we we hear you, we're going to put it back. So, you know, Dobie the gorilla will be coming back as soon as the weather permits. But I want to talk about the initial decision, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it ever, ever reasonable to say you've had a statue of a gorilla for the last 14 years here, okay, we've become concerned legally that, you know, the, somebody might knock the gorilla over. So we put this little cage there to sort of simulate like a gorilla in the zoo. They didn't get rid of it because they thought, well, um, you know, somebody might hurt themselves on it. They got rid of it because they thought it would be racially insensitive. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So let me tee this up. Is it racially insensitive to have the gorilla house at the Milwaukee County Zoo? I mean, is this where we have come now? 414-799-1620. And is it reasonable in any sort of reasonable world if somebody, you know, goes to this playground area and sees, hey, they've got an animal, they've got, you know, a statue of a gorilla that's in this cage, to assume that that is a racial statement. 414-799-1620. What do you think? We take a break and then we discuss next. It's 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Lori Milwaukee Text. What about the statue of the baby gorilla in the Great Ape House at the Milwaukee County Zoo? Every time I'm there, kids are crawling all over it. Yeah, I mean, is that racist? Is that racially insensitive? That's what these pinheads in this Texas town at least initially decided. Chase in McGuanago. Chase, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I. Uh, this recently happened at a place that I went to uh, went to college, and the dean of students, an African American woman, got a monkey left in her mailbox, and everybody mobilized because, of course, that's not cool. But right. then it turned out it was one of the African students that left it there because they were talking about monkeys, and they. They liked it, you know, an exchange student from Africa, and he thought it would be a nice gift for her, and it really blew up the community. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I get, I mean, thanks for going. See, look, I, I understand how, in, in a certain context, if you had, I, I don't know, a, an Africa, a, a black city council person, and somebody, you know, ended up sending them a, a doll of a monkey or a gorilla or something. I understand why that would be offensive and racist. But that, what we're talking about is a playground. And you're talking about a gorilla statue that has been there for years and years. And people walk in and say, oh, 
I mean, this it's a gorilla. It's not a person. 414-799-1620. We continue this for one more segment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, this if this is, I, I understand that if you're listening, you say, Jeff, this is the onion. You've got to be making this up. No. Texas town outside of Fort Worth. They've got a, a park, public park, playground area. They've got a statue of a gorilla. All right. It's been there forever. They decide, all right, what we need to do, we don't want kids climbing all over this. They might fall off and hurt themselves. So we'll put a cage around. Okay. So that's what they do. So then people start complaining, oh, this is racist. So the mayor sends out this note saying, okay, grill is gone. The city of Corsicana has recently made a decision to remove a display in our community park. That would be the gorilla. It was determined to be potentially racially insensitive. This was brought to our attention by a few citizens. The circumstances were evaluated and determined to be valid. Huh? I mean, it's a statue of a gorilla, for goodness sakes, potentially racially insensitive. It's either racially insensitive or it's not. Otherwise, this idea that somebody might possibly be offended somewhere, give me a break. Mike in Greenfield. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Great program as usual. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, in today's society, Jeff, you and I and everybody else here, it doesn't matter when you were born, but we all know that you can infer, you know, or you can uh, you can take anything the way you want. Yeah. And a good example would be the Marquette Golden Eagles, which were <laughs> don't uh, get me started Warriors. <laughs> Same thing with you know symbols and icons that have been around forever in a day. Why now? Why all of a sudden now? I mean, it was acceptable for how many decades? Why all of a sudden now? So here, here's the thing. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. You can't please all the people all the time. If you get a special interest group that decides to play the race, creed, or religion card, you know, what? It, it's well, and I don't even think this is a special interest group. This is probably like one or two whiners, you know, the politically correct and the perpetually offended who, who go in and, and try to imagine something. And you would think that there would be grown-ups that would say, oh, for goodness sake, it's a statue of an animal. Where is the racial connotation to this? But but again, we, we give in to the, the whiners and the complainers. You know, in a nitpicky society, I think there are more important problems and issues that we need to deal with in today's world. Oh, well, especially, no, I mean, thanks for calling, especially in the world of, of especially, you know, with, when you look at race relations. I mean, I just wonder... I mean, seriously, how many kids, I don't care whether it's, I mean, I don't know what the population of this community is, whether it's, you know, majority white or majority black or majority Hispanic. I don't know. But, you know, how many of these kids look at this and are realistically offended because, oh, it's, it's a depiction of an animal that you see in the zoo that's now in this cage? It's just, it's mind boggling to me. And, and by the way, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm having one of these aggravating days just uh, just for a lot of different reasons. It's just everything everything I touch, just it's much more difficult than it needs to be, and it's just aggravation. And then he goes and brings up the Marquette Warriors, which is another one of these things. I feel my blood pressure going up 15 points on top of that. Of course, if you are new to the area, Marquette men's basketball team always used to be referred to as the Warriors. Um, and they used to have a Native American mascot. All right. So you get the, this is the new breed of liberal thinking at Marquette. People complain, oh, that's offensive to Native Americans. Okay, fine. So you do away with the Native American mascot. But we also had to change the name Warriors because 
I, I guess somebody said, well, the, the Native American imagery was so tightly related to the name Warriors that you can't make the switch. It's just, I, I mean, it's this political correctness run amok. And I guess it doesn't matter whether you find this in the city council in some small town in Texas or whether you see it at Marquette or or wherever. It's just one thing after another. Let's talk to Lori in Oconomowoc. Lori, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Wow, you just pretty much covered it. <laughs> Run amok. Are you kidding me? Where are people's sense of humor anymore? What happened to Archie Bunker and when Don Rickles ripped on Jews? What the heck is wrong with people? You know, it's funny you should mention Don Rickles, who passed away last year. He... He did. I, I saw him at Potawatomi um, a couple of years ago because a couple of friends of mine, you know, wanted to see it. it I will say this, Laurie. It was a very dated kind of act. You're sitting there going, "Oh, yeah, right. yeah. but, 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 yeah." I mean, but this isn't even this isn't even Archie Bunker or or, or Don Rickles. This is this just is it's an animal beyond. statue. Yeah. Way beyond. This is what the hell is the matter with people anymore? Can't you laugh? Well, well, I mean, or, I'm Polish, and I can take a Polish joke. <laughs> well, well, right, and this is, or, or you're, it's, it's. I mean, thanks for going. See, this isn't even a reference to an ethnicity. I mean, you, you go to these, you go to these kids' playgrounds, and it's not uncommon to have, I don't know, various sort of statues that the kids can climb on or whatever, or that are as decorative, and you, you know, sometimes giraffes or ponies or or whatever. And I guess I, I've never just, I've never thought of of this as being intended to be, you know, racially insensitive, but yet in this particular case, at least until the general public, see, that's the good news behind the story, that after the pinheads on the Common Council did this, uh, there was just an immediate public uprising saying, are you crazy? And they ended up, you know, backing off, and they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to add a couple other animal statues as well, so now the people that were offended about the gorilla can also be offended about I don't know if you put in a giraffe, is that going to be offensive to people who have long necks? Or if you put in a statue of a turtle, is that going to be offensive to, I don't know, people who move slowly? I don't know where this is all going to go, but we'll be here to talk about it. It's 141. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, Eric Bilstadt alluded to it. I want to share with you what Governor Walker had to say about President Trump's tariff proposals. It kind of dovetails on what I was saying an hour and a half ago. Stick around. It's 141. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Very glad to have you with us today. Let's see. The Bucks look to get back in the win column as they host the Indiana Pacers in a key matchup for playoff positioning. Ted Davis and Dennis Krause are live from the BMO Harris Bradley Center with our Buckshot coverage. It starts at 6 40 this evening. All right. At the start of the program, we talked about President Trump's kind of half-baked announcement. And and I I say this because trying to start a trade war and imposing tariffs is a big, big deal. That it has not ever worked. Well, okay, ever is a long time. It almost never works out well for the United States when we do something like that. And it was one of the things, candidly, during the campaign that gave a lot of, I don't know, as free market people um, real concerns when the president would talk about it. So this has been something that's been hanging fire for a while. Yesterday, the, the president, and this is, I think, a it is an ongoing problem with President Trump that he tends to 
be swayed by the last voice he talks to. You know, we all know people like that. It's the, you know, it's the, the last person that's in their ear. That's what they end up saying. So he's in this meeting with a bunch of executives from steel companies and aluminum companies. Um, afterwards, he walks out and some reporter screams out, are you going to do tariffs? And he stops and says, yeah, I'm going to pose a 25% tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum. And the stock market drops four or 500 points. And then, you know, he doubles down later on and says, I don't think a trade war is such a bad thing. And um, again, this is it's just very dangerous economic ground, especially when you look at the fact that the the main supplier of steel is our ally, Canada. I mean, that's where we get most of our our steel from. And on top of that, um, the demand for aluminum cans in this in this country well, the demand for aluminum cans is such that there's only two aluminum can producers in this country. So uh, they can't meet the demand now. You put a tariff on, and what you're doing is you are increasing the price for all of us. You know, you, you want the price of your canned beer to go up? This is what that will happen. You want the price of the car, your car to automatically go up about 175 to $200? Yeah. I had somebody, when I was talking about this earlier, send me a text saying, Oh, just because the car goes up a couple hundred dollars in price, that doesn't mean I'm not going to buy it. All right, well, look, I'm the guy. Let's be consistent here. I'm the guy who's been saying, you know, these tax cuts that they've worked through, okay, $500. You know, Democrats have been once, oh, this is just peanuts. It's chump change. It's only a few hundred dollars. Well, oh, okay, yeah, I, I do think a few hundred dollars can make a difference in any event. Governor Walker is now out with a statement on this tariff thing. Governor Walker released a statement on Trump administration's proposed steel and aluminum tariffs. Um, Here's what he has to say. The president wants to protect good-paying, family-supporting jobs in America. If the president wants to protect good-paying, family-supporting jobs in America, especially here in Wisconsin, then he should reconsider the administration's position on these tariffs, particularly on ultra-thin aluminum. As I described to the U.S. Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, last year, there is not a market in America that can support the demand for ultra-thin, ultra-thin aluminum for employers here in Wisconsin and across the country. In other words, there's only two companies in the country that make this stuff. If we don't import stuff, you're, you're not going to have it. There's just not enough. Economically, America um, – let's see. Cuts off here. Ironically – American companies who will feel the negative impact of the tariff can actually move their operations to another country, such as Canada, and not face new tariffs on the sale of their products. This scenario would lead to the exact opposite outcome of the administration's stated objective, which is to protect American jobs. With this in mind, I respectfully ask the president and his administration to reconsider their position on these tariffs yeah i mean that's that's the other thing you know you have companies who can just again you know pick up say hey we're going to go up to canada and then we're not going to be subject to this again it's a i i understand that there's some people who you know are upset with trade balances and things like that but for the president to say that okay you know there's nothing wrong with the trade war and we we being the united states will in win easily that's that's silly, and it's economically dangerous talk. And for a state like Wisconsin, where a lot of our residents are tied in, for example, to the agricultural industry, and there's all sorts of Wisconsin products that get exported, 
the idea of inviting other countries in retaliation to put to put tariffs on our exports to make it more expensive to buy stuff that's not very attractive remember we went through this with the dairy industry in Canada a few months ago where Canada decided to put on this tariff and you had all these manufacturers of uh, of a milk product screaming that they were going to be put out of business well do we want to have something like this happen across the board my advice to the president would be go really, really, really slowly with this and, and make sure it's thought out, not just something you erp out as you're leaving a meeting with steel and aluminum executives um, when somebody shouts you a question. 151, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 154, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As, as long as we're talking about kind of the, the chaos, and I, I, I understand there's people out there who just... President Trump can do no right, and there's other people he can do no wrong, and I happen to be kind of in this middle ground of criticizing when I think it's appropriate to criticize and praising when I think it's appropriate to praise. I will tell you, this has been just a bizarre, bizarre week. You had the trade story, and then then you, you had this meeting at the White House about gun control a couple days ago that President Trump saying things like, I I like taking guns away early. Take the guns first. Go through due process second. He said that he favors taking guns away from people who might commit violence before going through legal due process in the courts. That's what he says. Okay, now, all right, I'm not the first person to make this point. If Barack Obama had said, let's seize guns from people without due process, uh, heads would explode. People would be calling him a dictator. And again, other people have made this point. It's not unique to me. But it, it's just, I mean, I'm sitting there. It's just kind of stunning. We're going to take away, you know, guns before giving people due process rights. Uh, imagine if Barack Obama would have said it. And and during this, this meeting, you know, President Trump kind of turns on the Republicans. This is one where you've got the Chuck Schumers and the Nancy Pelosi. They're, they're high-fiving themselves. You know, you have the president all all over the map talking about now how suddenly, you know, he supports all these different, you know, gun control, you know, initiatives, you know, background checks and all these different types of things. And, and, you know, individually, okay, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with some of these things, although when I start hearing, you know, taking stuff away from people without due process, that does raise all sorts of concerns. But it, it surprised a lot of Republicans and overjoyed a lot of Democrats. And a lot of people left that meeting. Well, the, I mean, the way that I'm looking at it described in USA Today, um, it said it was, you know, the due process thing was one of many startling comments he made at a rambling White House meeting designed to hash out school safety legislation. Right? I mean, a lot of people left that meeting going, what the heck? or use another word, just kind of happened here, and, and where is this guy? All right, so then for the last, you know, since that happened, you've had 24 to 36 hours of people going, all right, this, wh- where is President Trump here, and is this now a guy who's betraying the, the, the gun lobby? Well, then last night, apparently the, the NRA, some of their lobbyists have a meeting with the president. This is the way the New York Times reports it. The top lobbyist for the National Rifle Association claimed late Thursday that President Trump had retreated from his surprising support a day earlier for gun control measures after a meeting with NRA officials and Vice President Mike Pence in the Oval Office. The lobbyist, Chris Cox, 
posted on Twitter just after 9 p.m. that he met with Mr. Trump and Mr. Pence saying, we all want safe schools, mental health reform, and to keep guns away from dangerous people. The president and the vice president support the Second Amendment, support strong due process, and don't want gun control. To which the president then sends out a tweet saying, good, great meeting in the Oval Office tonight with the NRA, which again now has everybody just just like <laughs> with this whole thing with the, 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 tra- the tariffs and the trade war. Now you got everybody on both sides of the gun control issue going, what's going on here? And, you know, where do people stand? Look, I do think that while reasonable i'm not sure what gun control measures that you could have that would pass constitutional muster would practically stop situations like what happened at at parkland a couple weeks ago i'm not sure what you could really do to do that given the fact for example if there's eight million ar-15s in private hands and unless you're going to start talking about confiscation of guns are you ever going to be able to do it and then if you confiscated the ar-15s somebody would just show up with a semi-automatic pistol with a couple magazines so i I'm not sure how we stop that. At the same time, I do think that there are reasonable things that you should be able to do that while they wouldn't necessarily prevent these school shootings, um, are reasonable sorts of measures like, you know, do you need bump stocks? Could you put limitations on certain types of ammunition, some of the more dangerous types of ammunition? Could you put restrictions on, I, I, I don't know, other stuff? Maybe take a look at the background checks, all those different types of things. And maybe there is some common agreement. But the point is, it, it nobody knows where the president is. It appears he's all over the map on this. And this is an important issue, as as is the whole trade issue. And you'd like to get some idea as to where the president really stands. And if that is unfairly harsh, well, it's what I think. 159, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Eric Vilstead just mentioned insight. Did I? I did not do that. I did not. Even though I'm talking to my producer, Gru, now. So even though a half hour ago I said we're going to do this, I did not do it. Let's do it right now. As Eric Bilstadt was kind enough to mention, Insight 2018, March 28th at the Country Springs Hotel, headlined by Governor Scott Walker. We're going to have Attorney General Brad Schimmel there. We will have either live or in person both of the GOP candidates for the United States Senate. Uh, my, my dear friend Kathleen O'Leary from State Fair, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Mile, those type of things. Um, uh, we're going to have... Uh, Sark County Judge Michael Skranek, who is the conservative candidate running for the state Supreme Court. The election for state Supreme Court is going to be the Tuesday after March 28th. So you'll have a chance to meet him up close and personal. Maybe some other guests will be coming in as well. Tickets are on sale now 
at WTMJ.com. You can click on the Jeff Wagner's Insight 2018. They're $25 a piece. It's going to be a lot of fun. It, it just is. It's a wonderful opportunity to meet newspapers, uh, newspapers, meet newsmakers, you know, face to face and see them in an intimate setting. Um, we always have a lot of fun. The doors open at six. The show starts at 6.30. I have a pair of tickets to Insight 2018 to give away. Let's give them to caller number 10 at 414-799-1620. Caller number 10 gets a pair of tickets to Insight, Insight 2018, um, 799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And Insight 2018 is presented by our friends at Annex Wealth Management. And just hope to see you there. It's going to be a fun evening. If you have participated in Insight before, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Just always a... Very, very, you know, good time. In addition to that, I, I did, as I just mentioned, you know, um, you're going to start hearing more over the course of the next month about the state Supreme Court race. And I know we say this a lot, but it's accurate. State Supreme Court races are extremely important because what you have in a very divided state is you have right now a five to two conservative versus liberal split on the Supreme Court. Um, there are two very, very liberal activist judges who, if there had been two more of them, would undoubtedly have succeeded in striking down Act 10 and voter ID and a lot of the different initiatives that we have ended up talking about and push, been pushing over the years. Um, that has not happened because you have a conservative majority in the Supreme Court, which has reined in the excesses, say, of the liberal Dane County judges. Isn't it interesting? Whenever there's a challenge to a government action, case gets filed in Dane County, and inevitably you get some of the Dane County circuit judges who are elected by the voters of Dane County, therefore making them more liberal than I think most people in the majority of the state. And what happens is you have certain rulings. And it, much different Wisconsin if it were not for the majority. What's happening is one of the five members of that conservative majority, Michael Gableman, is stepping down after one 10-year term. There is a conservative candidate running. His name is Michael Skranek. He's a Sauk County Circuit Judge. He's been on this program before. And like I say, he's going to be at Insight 2018. Um, and and by, say, by conservative... I'm talking about somebody who is judicially conservative. He is running against a liberal Milwaukee County circuit judge who has gone in an effort to get through the primaries. She went further and further to the left, talking about how she would have struck down Act 10 and done things like that. There's a very, very clear choice that is out there, and it's something that you know people need to be mindful of. I, I think this year... People on the left are figuring because of dissatisfaction with Donald Trump and the way the special election went in the 10th uh, Senate district, this is the year that, that a liberal judge, justice, can get elected to the state Supreme Court. We'll see. We have the winner of our Insight tickets. If you didn't win a pair of tickets this week, again, go to WTMJ.com. Check it out. You'll see Insight 2018. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you at the Country Springs Hotel on March 28th. All right. When we come back, should you be able to wear whatever you want when you go to vote? Stick around. It's 214. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 217. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Pop Culture Corner coming up in less than 20 minutes. Well, it's Oscar weekend, so that'll give you a clue as to where we got to go with this. 
Um, there was an interesting case argued in front of the United States Supreme Court this week. And, and I wanted to get your reaction to it. In Minnesota and in many, many states, Wisconsin is one of them, there are rules against electioneering at the polls. You know, you, you can't stand within X number of feet uh, of a polling place and try to say, oh, you know, vote for vote for my candidate, vote for this person or that person. And, you know, if, if you recall, one of the things that inevitably will come up on, on any given election day is you'll have some campaign or some candidate who will be too close to the polls and then there'll be complaints and that ends up making the news and then the cops have to go out and investigate it. So there are rules against campaigning within X number of feet of the polls. And I don't think anybody argues that, that those rules are appropriate. But what about what about wearing clothes? The clothing you wear, I was going to say, what about wearing clothes into the polls? For the, for the love of goodness, wear clothes into the polls. But what the issue is, what about people? You're not allowed to electioneer. You're not allowed to stand outside the polls and scream, you know, vote for Hillary, vote for Trump, whatever. What about people who go into the polls to vote, who wear clothing supporting their candidate? So what what happens if you want to show up at the polling place, walk in and vote, wearing a Make America Great hat, or or making a or or wearing a I don't know a Me Too T-shirt, or wearing a, an article of clothing that has you know, a, a statement, lock her up, or, you know, Hillary for America, or, or whatever that would be. Well, in the state of Minnesota, they have a law that bans not only campaign speech at the polling place, you know, so you can't stand outside the polls and try to encourage votes, but also bans political badges, buttons, and insignias, which has been interpreted to mean like I say, you know, T-shirts that support a candidate or something like that. It's been a law that's been on the books for a 100 years. Well, what happened is in 2010, a guy shows up at the polls wearing a, a T-shirt. It's a Tea Party T-shirt that says, please, I, and a, and a please ID me button. So, you know, he's in favor of the ID thing. And what happened is they tossed him out of the polls. They said, no. You can't, you can't come in here wearing that stuff because we've got this law. Well, the case went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court heard it this week. And the guy who was arguing says, "Hey, look, it, it, it's one thing to say I can't actively campaign outside of the polls. It's another thing to say I can't go into the polling place and say you should really vote for Hillary or you should really vote for Trump." But when it comes to my articles of clothing, what I wear, if I want to wear a button that says Nixon's the one or I'm with Clinton or whatever, I should have a right to do that. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should you be able to show up again with a T-shirt that says, you know, vote, vote for Trump? Should you be able to show up with a T-shirt that says, proud member of the NRA?
proud member of the AFL-CIO. Should you be able to wear buttons or T-shirts or jackets that have political slogans, sayings on them, showing the candidates and the issue you support while you go in to vote? Now, again, you can't go into the the polling place and scream, vote for Hillary or whatever. But what if you want to wear your Hillary button? Should you be able to do that when you go into the polls? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I don't know that this is an issue that cuts across political lines. I will tell you, and again, you you can go broke, as I've often said, trying to predict what the Supreme Court is going to do in a particular case. But, you know, I, I think this guy, admittedly somewhat of a crank, I think he's got a point. I mean, I don't think you should be able to actively electioneer at the polls. But at the same time, if I want to wear an article of clothing, if I want to wear a Make America Great hat or a Hillary for whatever T-shirt, I think I should be able to do that when I go in and vote. Because the problem partially becomes, you know, where, where do you draw, I mean, where do you draw the line? Let's say that... There is a candidate who is supporting gay rights. There's a candidate who's running in the platform. You know, one of the issues in their platform, his or her platforms, is an expansion of gay rights and transgender bathrooms and all those type of things. Well, that's that's it. And that's the candidate that's been endorsed by some of, let's say, the, you know, the, the gay groups that are out there. That's fine. All right. If somebody comes in wearing a, you know, the rainbow T-shirt, are they allowed to do it? I think you should have a right to wear what you want into the polls. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tom in Muskego. Tom, you're first. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Thank you. Uh, I believe, it's been a while since I've been on the department, but I believe we already have laws on the books that says no uh, literature campaigning within now, I might be wrong on this, 500 feet of a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's but clearly, there is, there right, there's a, clearly those restrictions that say you can't campaign and pass out materials and stuff outside right. the polling place, yes. So if I'm if I'm wearing a shirt that says vote for so-and-so or something to do with the politics you're voting for, or I'm carrying a sign, what is the difference? It's literature, I'm wearing it, it says that I cannot do it within 500 feet. Well, I guess, see, I guess, that, see, I mean, and see, and Minnesota has a law like that. But what the case is, Tom, is the 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 person is making the argument that that law is unconstitutional. That he he has a First Amendment right to you know wear articles of clothing expressing his support for political candidates. That that's not that's not campaigning. Um, nobody would argue that you know you should be able to pass out literature. I don't think in the polling place, but but. Do you think he should have a right to wear that T-shirt? No, I. well, that's the problem. I think wearing that shirt or carrying a sign, what is the difference when you really think about it? He's making a political statement. Mm-hmm. And we do have a law on the books, I'm sure you're aware of it, that you cannot campaign within so many feet. Once he crosses that line and walks into that polling thing, mm-hmm. he's breaking our law well, that's on the books. Well, right, and, and see, Tom, and again, I don't, I don't want to, talk around this but that's minnesota has the same law and this guy got tossed out of the polling place for doing that what he is arguing is the aspect of the law that says 
he can't wear the shirts is unconstitutional. Yeah, the, the law is on the books. And it was interesting because a number of the justices, you know, they started asking different questions about, all right, well, you know, where, where, where do you draw the line on this? I mean, could you wear, could you wear an NRA shirt? Look, let's, 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 let's take the issue. Let's say, you know, you, you're not wearing the, the Hillary for president or the Trump for president shirt, but let's say you're wearing an NRA shirt or you're wearing the AFL CIO shirt. Could you wear that? I mean, or is that, you know, indirectly showing support for a particular candidate. Could you wear, what about the, the red Make America Great hats? Could you wear a, a thing saying, hey, it doesn't say Trump on it. It says Make America Great. I want to make, you know, America great. Should you be able to, to have a right to do that? Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. I think you should be able to because if you look at the polling places, a lot of them are small little places, parking lots. And look at all the bumper stickers that go in there. I mean, a lot of them are Trump supporters. A lot of them are Clinton supporters, Biden. I mean, then your car wouldn't be able to park because that's not 500 feet. Yes. Um, yeah. No, thanks for the call. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Um, now, look, I mean, all 50 states regulate election campaign clothing and behavior in and around polling places. Um, that I, I think are, are good reasons. You know, you don't necessarily want to have disruption, but at, at the same time, I mean, I think, candidly, I think a law that bans people from wearing political apparel, I, I think it's unconstitutional because I don't know what, me, what is political apparel. I mean, if, if you want to say, you know, if you want to ban, you know, clothing that endorses a particular campaign, you know, maybe you should be able to do that, or maybe you should be able to say no campaign buttons. But again, that raises this whole specter. What about the guy that wants to show up at the NRA sh- with the NRA shirt? Don't you have a right to do it when you are voting? I don't know how the Supreme Court's going to come down on this one, but I think it's going to be interesting, and I think it's going to be close. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're at the point of the week where we put aside the heavy lifting. We stop talking about guns and tariffs and politics and political correctness run amok. And we have a little bit of fun as we go gently into the good weekend. I call this segment Pop Culture Corner. We talk about a number of things in pop culture. We are live streaming this on our Facebook Live. If you go to... um, Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. You can see what we look like. That's the royal we. I'm the only one in the studio right now. But knowing that we were going to be live streaming, my wife dressed me today. I was walking out of the house, and she said, you you can't wear that T-shirt with that sweatshirt. So, I mean, you know, I said, you cannot wear that. You need I, you need me to help you with the color choice. And I said, hon, I need you on a, for a lot of stuff. But, but, yes, so my wife dressed me today. So, and... I've started dressing better because of her. Actually, she's been dressing me better. All right, today, Pop Culture Corner. It is Oscar weekend. I'm not sure anybody really cares about the Oscars anymore, in part because I think a lot of us have had it kind of up to you-know-where when it comes to the whole concept of the Hollywood elite telling us stuff. Secondly, because a lot of the movies just... There really aren't blockbuster movies that, that are nominated. I mean, I, I saw a couple of them. Um, there's others that I want to see, but I don't know that there's some like breakout movie that did a whole ton of business. Um, and my guess is whatever movie wins the Oscars, and it's pretty much an open race right now, I think a lot of people will not have seen it before. But, but 
That does not stop us from talking movies on Pop Culture Corner, also live streaming on our Facebook Live at 620WTMJ slash 620WTMJ.com. In honor of the Oscars, I don't want to talk about the best movie for this year because who knows? Chances are a lot of you might not have even gone to a, a movie this year. But I guarantee you that you've probably watched a movie this year or over the last couple years. So I want to, in honor of the Oscars, this segment calls is called The Oscar Goes To. But it's not The Oscar Goes To, the best movie of this year. Pop Culture Corner, The Oscar Goes To, and I'm asking your opinion on the best movie of all time. The best movie that you have ever seen. It could be a drama. It could be a comedy. It could be a musical. It could be, I don't know, a cartoon, if you're into Lady and the Tramp or whatever. But the best movie of all time, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The best movie of all time. Um, and again, you can you can decide how you want to define best. Again, it's any sort of genre. It could be a horror movie. It could be an action movie. The best movie of all time. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also reach out to us via, uh, again, um, Facebook Live because we are live streaming as well. As I always say with these segments, my advice is, first of all, try to call early because our phone lines tend to jam up. Secondly, um, go with your first instinct. Sometimes people overthink it. I know some people think, gee, I hear best movie, and I'd, I'd really love to say The Wizard of Oz, but people will think I'm dumb if I say The Wizard. No, just go with your first instinct. The Oscar goes to 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dean in Milwaukee. Dean, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon. The Oscar goes to the best movie ever. Uh, Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. Kevin Costner. Yeah. What What did you think was so special about that? Why did you like it so much? Uh, just because he had to persevere with being out in the country by himself, and then yeah, meeting up with Native Americans and and learning their way of life. And yeah. Well, no, and it was and it was a great story. I mean, no, thank, thanks for calling. There's no question about it. It was, it was just a great story. Um, you know, that that might have been Kevin Costner's masterpiece. There's no question about it. 414, beautifully filmed, too. 414-799-1620. The Oscar goes to Ray in Racine. Ray, you get to present the award. What movie gets the award? I, I would go with Raiders of the Lost Ark. I just absolutely love that movie. It's got comedy. It's got drama. It's got action. It's got everything. And it, it's, I think it's stood the test of time. It's got a, you know, a young Karen Allen, a young Harrison Ford. And you, I remember when I first saw that movie, Ray, I had no idea where it was going. It was just, it was just, it was almost revolutionary. It kind of like reinvented that action genre. Yeah, and, and the music is wonderful as well. Can't go wrong with John Williams. Yeah, no, th- thanks for calling. I, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and of the different Raiders movies, the original one, clearly, I think, the best. Okay, let me take a quick break. Let Gru get a chance to line up all the calls. We will be back to take as many calls as we possibly can, 414-799-1620. And if you want to watch us and you've got... Yeah, you can. We're streaming live on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. It's 1240. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
243. Jeff Wetner, WTMJ. Check in our Facebook Live comments. A Bronx Tale. Hmm. Uh, the Martian. Uh, definitely one of the better things that uh, Matt Damon's done recently. Serena says the Titanic. Sean says the Blues Brothers. They were on a mission from God. Yes, they were on our text line. There could be only one. Jeff Casablanca. I'm shocked, shocked that there is gambling going on. I love Casablanca. There's no question about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, there might be many out there, but I'm going to say Citizen Kane. I thought it was just a super great movie. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jeff in Germantown. Jeff, the Oscar goes to... Scarface. <laughs> you're, you're talking about the Al Pacino one, so not, yeah. not the original, right? Okay. Yep, Al Pacino and Scarface. Why did you like that so much? Uh, the different uh, situations that the guy was put in and uh, the gunfight and, yeah. uh, and when it got down to the... The end, of, the end of the movie, yeah. Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, I don't think, no, nice that's, to go. You know, I, I mean, um, I, I will be honest with you, that's not one of my favorite films, but I understand it's part of the pop culture. Brian in Brookfield. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. The Oscar goes to? Aliens, the second one. Oh, tell me why. Tell me why you like the second one better than the uh, first one. I love Sigourney Weaver. Right? Um, she did a really good part. She, you know, the second movie amped up the action to, you know, full throttle, and uh, it kind of blends all the genres together, sci-fi, action, horror, you know. Mm-hmm. I had some you know comedic parts in there, and the supporting actor, actors and actresses are all great. The um, the first one, I still remember seeing the first one, and when that thing popped out of the guy's chest, I I, oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I tell you, I because yeah. <laughs> I I had no idea that was coming. It's kind of like, oh my goodness gracious! Um, yeah. no, th- thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I I'm not see that the whole sci-fi thing and stuff. I I'm not a huge fan, but Alien and Aliens were were great, no question about it. Chris in Milwaukee, Chris you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, love you, love your show. Thank uh, you, sir. The Oscar would go for me to Saving Private Ryan. Um, yeah, that that's um, the first thirty minutes of that movie showing the D Day invasion. I think, I think that's as powerful an opening to a movie as I can recall. I, it's just it, it's just mesmerizing. Yeah, and I, I felt like the last, even like that, in the last twenty minutes, because you knew they had to hold that bridge, and right. they had to hold that town, and you knew not everybody was going to make it out of it alive. And the thing I remember, I was a lot younger when I saw it, of course, we all were, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember it was my first real exposure to like a, a World War II movie, right? because I was probably a little too young to watch it. But anyway, um, I remember thinking, you know, like, you couldn't get attached to any of the characters at the beginning, because every time you watched, somebody got someone killed. else was getting killed. Yeah. But by the end, you were, you were attached to some of the characters, and you realized all the sacrifices that they it was just one glimpse of what sacrifices people, you know, are you know our men did, and right. uh, during World War II, which was you know right. pretty moving. And, no, right, and thanks for the call. And and I mean, there were, I mean, there, there's been other movies about you know D-Day, of course, um, but but I don't think anything that really captured to the extent you can capture what it was like in cinema, you know, to that extent. Um, I don't know that there was anything like that. It, it's it's I agree. It's an amazing movie. Dave and Racine. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Greetings and salutations. You got a half of the Oscar going to Apollo 13. To quote uh, uh, Mel Gibson during that year's uh, Oscar ceremony, Ron Howard got robbed. 
right when when he didn't get that yet. I mean, thanks. The thing about Apollo 13 that I like so much is that you know how it's going to turn out. I mean, you you know they get back safely, and yet it's still, even though you know the outcome of it, you're still on on the seat of your pants. Apollo 13, an incredibly well-done movie, no question about it. John in Sussex. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. The Oscar goes to? Jaws, the original <laughs> first Jaws. Did, did, how old, did, did you, when you first saw it, did you see it in the theater on the big screen? In the theater on the big screen. Yep, me too. I, I, I took a date. I still remember. I think I still have marks in my arm from where she grabbed me when that shark first came out of the water and you first saw it. Yep. Yeah, yep. that was an original. It had shock. It had awe. It had levity. Right. And, and it, I mean, the inter- thanks for calling. I mean, just historically, the interesting thing about Jaws, too, is up until, really up until Jaws, summer had not been the time when you release the big movies. Summer had always been a time, oh, who's going to go to the movies in the summer? That's where you dump a lot of the stuff. Well, Jaws had this huge blockbuster, and then all the studios started to realize, hey, there's a huge market. People are going to go to see movies in the summer, and it kind of took off um, from there. I uh, yeah, The original Jaws, I thought, was just absolutely outstanding. Let's talk to Matt in Kalkana. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how's it going? The Oscar goes to Silverado. Oh, with Kevin Klein. Interesting choice. Tell me why. Um, it actually has to do with because it's one of my like favorite westerns, uh-huh. and I'm a huge Kevin Costner fan, and it's right. actually one of his first films. So, right. I just I really appreciate everything that they do in there, and the musical score is amazing too. Well, it's a good movie too. I mean, it, it's it it holds your attention. No, I I mean, thanks for calling. I, I think it's. I, I think Silverado, I think it's a very underrated movie as well. Rich in Heartland. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Rich. Happy Friday to you. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go with Apocalypse Now. Okay. Um, uh, the the original one, or have you seen, then they came out with all the added scenes. Um, no, 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 the original The one. original, okay. With uh, just a great, great group of actors, uh, great Storyline, great soundtrack. Uh, very, I heard you mention a very young Harrison Ford. Yeah, I believe he was even younger in this movie. Right. Yeah, he played like he had a bit part, a small part in the beginning. He was the aide to uh, the general there. Yeah. Right. I believe he was only like nineteen years old. But you're talking about Mark Sheen, Robert Ball, Dennis Hopper, Marlon Brando. Just a great group of actors. Okay. Here, here's my theory on Apocalypse Now, though, Rich. I I always viewed that as two movies. I thought the beginning. I thought up to the Marlon Brando part, I thought it was a great movie. I thought that last quarter or whatever with Marlon Brando, I, maybe I just didn't get it. <laughs> you know, I, when, they were, when they were searching for him, yeah. No, no. Well, up up until they, they – yeah, yeah. I mean, th- see, that, thanks for, I always saw that as two movies. And uh, apparently Brando kind of – the story is he, he showed up late and really heavy and, you know, d- didn't want to, like, learn lines and stuff like that. I, I always like Apocalypse Now – I, I always see this two movies, a great movie up until the Marlon Brando stuff, and after that kind of, eh. But, you know, nevertheless, 414-799-1620. Carol in Waukesha. Carol, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. The Oscar goes to? Gone with the Wind. Yes. Yeah. I, I wonder if I wonder if people are going to see that as much anymore because there's going to be folks who just say it's politically incorrect now because it glamorizes the, you know, uh, Civil War South. 
Uh, I hope not. It's a good movie. It's got history, drama, action. And Clark Gable and Vivian Lee. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the call. Let's talk to Al uh, in Manor, uh, Man- Manawa. Al, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi. Best movie? Uh, on Golden Pond. Okay. Um, uh, Jane Fonda and Henry Fonda, right? And Catherine Hepburn. Right. You're right. With that, yes, how could I forget Catherine Hepburn playing the mom? Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge Jane Fonda fan, um, but she... It was great watching her and her father Henry interact. You kind of got the idea that there were there was some there was a lot of real life in some of the stuff that was said in the movies. Well, it's not only that, but it was the two Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn in their performances, especially as they were aging and right. getting to the stage where it was difficult to function at their age. So it was incredible acting performances. Right. No. Th- thanks for calling. You know, another movie in that same category is. Um, if you uh, guess who's coming to dinner, uh, which Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, and I think as everybody knows, they had a long-standing love affair, never got married. Um, but but his he passed away just a couple weeks after the, this performance at the end, which was just mesmerizing. Okay, on our uh, let's see, on our uh, the, the Facebook page, Braveheart. Never forget the ending. Braveheart was outstanding. Christina says 13 Days. That was a very good movie. Howard says The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Actually, that's one of my very favorite all-time westerns. I got a chance to watch that just the other day, and it it stands up well with the test of time. All right, just looking at some of the calls that we're not going to have time to get to. Shawshank Redemption. Very, very good movie. We Were Soldiers might be the best movie about Vietnam ever made. A Bridge Too Far. I, that's okay. Let me, if, if you want a movie along those lines, as long as we're talking bridges, Bridge on the River Kwai, that would definitely be in my very top uh, lists. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's from Bob. If if I had to pick one, I, I admit this goes back a long time, but I'm, I'm still a Casablanca guy. You know, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, to me, it's a movie that just completely and totally stands the test of time, and I, I think it's a movie that's going to stand the test of time for generations, but lots of great movies out there. Lawrence of Arabia is another one that I just watch all the time. I don't know. i got to tell you, I know there's a lot of movies nominated this weekend. I, I don't think you're going to find in this current crop, I don't think you're going to find the Lawrence of Arabia's or the Bridge on the River Kwai's or the Casablanca's or the Wizard of Oz or the Gone with the Wind. Hope I'm wrong, but I, I just I don't think they make movies like that anymore. All right, it's 2.54 when we come back. We're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Thanks for playing along. Um, you can also go back and watch this segment on our Facebook Live page as well. 2.54, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.